the expansion of the so-called C-suite in federal agencies, chief risk officers, chief acquisition officers, chief data officers, have led some chief financial officers to rethink their own duties. That's one conclusion from Grant Thornton and the Association of Government Accountants' annual survey of more than 200 CFOs. Jay Hurt, a managing director of Grant Thornton's public sector advisory practice, told Federal News Network's Jory Heckman what else is on CFOs' minds. We have some who believe there is a proliferation of the CXOs, all these new titles coming with different legislation. And the CFO Act from 1990 was something of the beginnings of that. It, it was a relative success. I mean, the main goal at the time was to get the financial management house in order, and it did a good job of that. So I think what legislators and senior leaders, uh, political leaderships, decided that it did so well that they would keep going. So they did, you know, they have chief risk officers, there are chief acquisition officers, there are chief human resource officers, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So I think some would see that proliferation has, in some cases, and it, it hasn't been implemented equally across all the different agencies or all the different government organizations. In some cases, they're created, all of these different functions are created outside of the CFO office. And that, in some cases, is looked at as a bad thing. So because you have a separation of what used to be financial management-related work, budgeting, procurement, uh, even strategic planning, you could argue, uh, planning and and formulation is some of the um, strategic work that belongs in finance, that stuff got moved outside of the CFO's purview. And as a result, required far more integration effort and work to try to keep it together. Uh, so I have a, there's a mix. Some CFOs see it as bad because of that proliferation of CXOs, and others actually argue that it doesn't necessarily all belong under the CFO. And uh, I think I think it very much depends on the needs of the agency to some extent. But no matter what, the survey came to the conclusion after talking to a number of folks, the CFO community should come up with an opinion about what roles belong under the CFO and advocate for that. Since we're so close to a a revisit of the CFO Act, they really feel that it's time to come up with a standard set of responsibilities that they should be advocating for. Right. And since you do mention the 30th year anniversary of the CFO Act, which I believe is coming up next year, did respondents give any indication of what so far they would like to see changed? If there was any kind of update to, uh, to the CFO Act, Yeah. So the first was related to the uh, portfolio of responsibilities. Uh, They felt that there should be a standardization of that portfolio of responsibilities under the CFO. That was first. And second, CFO Act has been found, at least CFOs believe, that it did a good job of helping government organizations get their financial uh, books in order. Um, So We're getting clean opinions. Those clean opinions are based on new controls, stronger controls, and just better financial management processes in general. Uh, So it it was very successful in developing and creating a strong financial management backbone for government organizations. Where it didn't apply as well, um, even though there are some language in the CFO Act about it, was um, how to put that together with performance data and be able to answer the big broad question of, are we getting what we paid for? Um, So while we have our financial management side in order, some of our outcome and our performance management program evaluation, maybe that side is still lagging. So CFOs have recognized, and I think even Treasury and OMB have initiatives started to shift 
some of the capacity that we are putting towards financial statement audits, financial statement reviews, and uh, just financial statement generation at the agency level, limiting that, pushing that to more of a broad government-wide effort, and then taking the excess capacity and moving it towards program evaluation. So there's there's an interest in moving that way, and that would require some legislation. Looking elsewhere in the uh, results of the survey, another consensus I'm hearing is that technology has really changed over the the past couple of decades since the time that the CFO Act was passed. With that in mind, Jay, how did respondents say that technology has improved their work? There have definitely been improvements in data availability, data management, the ability to pull information together. So there's been a lot of doors opened about what is possible with data, where they like to see the next, I think the action can be taken or the next steps to be taken are more around what are you using the data for? There was an overwhelming identification as the first and number one ranking or ranked issue to, to look at was data analytic tools and data visualization. So more than just how do you manage the data, how do you put it together, but now what questions are you going to ask? There are probably a lot of standardized questions across financial management that we can learn from one another about how we do it and how we present the data. So I think there's been a lot of progress around data management. The next step is how do we visualize it and turn it into more synthesized information. On the flip side of things, what did CFOs identify as their biggest hurdles to doing their jobs? That's probably twofold. They highlighted um, human capital, being able to obtain the right resources and uh, human resources, people, and getting them trained, recruited, and retained in areas such as financial management. That ranked as uh, as number one, but a close, close second was um, the, the budget uncertainty. And this is an interesting part of it. Folks did complain a little bit about the level, but the real issue around budget is uncertainty. The lack of knowing how much and, and what's the level until you're months into the year, and then not being able to predict programs that require some form of cash flow over multiple years, they're at high risk because of the current uncertainty in the budget process. So combination of uh, human capital concerns and budget uncertainty were the two biggest issues. Drilling down a little bit into the human capital challenges, what did respondents say about HR that makes it just so difficult? On the recruitment side, it's just the ability to hire, the speed with which folks can hire, and the flexibilities to be able to hire. A lot of times, there's strength in our in the hiring message from the government perspective. I mean, they, they have a, a strong mission that folks that they're looking to hire often really can relate to a, a mission and, and get satisfaction out of the job. They have a work-life balance. So they have a lot of positives they can offer. The problem is they can't offer them timely. So it takes so long to bring on staff for a lot of these agencies and a lot of these organizations that by the time they get back to them with, a, with an offer, they're long gone. So recruiting tends to be a timing issue. Training tends to be a, a budget issue. Training tends to be the first to be cut because it's the easiest to cut. So a lot of times folks have difficulty retaining training dollars. In some cases, it tends to be just planning. It's a planning issue. There are examples of some agencies that do a wonderful job of really understanding what it is they want to train their folks in and then centralizing and going after that training in a very organized way so that it's cost efficient and and much more effective. But many agencies don't do that type of planning. They just don't have time or they just don't do it. 
for them, it's more of a, a planning issue for the training. And then retention, retention just tends to be, again, we have opportunities to use some of our the work-life balance, the, the mission opportunities to, to work on mission, but we don't always relate the individual's job to the mission very well. And because we don't do that, it's hard for people to feel that they're having an impact on the social good of that mission. And that's a problem because they don't feel that and maybe they're not getting the work-life balance. Uh, you know, We've had a mixed bag of using some of our authorities around telework and our authorities around uh, being flexible. And when we do that, we run the risk of uh, you know people moving to either places where they can have that or places where they don't get that either, but then they can you know, make more money elsewhere. So we don't use our positives well enough and we create negatives along all three of the HR functions. Jay Hurt, the managing director of Grant Thornton's public sector advisory practice, speaking with Federal News Network's Jory Heckman. Check out Jory's story at federalnewsnetwork.com. Many of us, if we're being honest, have given up hope on good sleep. But why? Well, if you're like me, you've tried everything and nothing has helped. So if we're not going to sleep well anyway, why try? That kind of thinking is so 2021. It's time to rethink our nights and days and demand more from our sleep. Talk with your doctor about how you can seize the night and day. And visit SeizeTheNightAndDay.com to learn more. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit LiveXLive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.